Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. If you are in the house, just shout amen. amen. We started talking about the secret weapons of our warfare. And today I want to bring it to a close. We've been talking about it for some, some three weeks or so. And I want to bring it to a close. We have a secret weapon. The secret weapons are designed to fight the enemies. They are designed to, to give us an upper hand in the fight. Amen. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. If you are a conqueror or more than a conqueror, then it means that you are going to be in a fight. And if you are going to be in a fight, then you must have weapons that you're going to use. If you don't know the weapons that you, are, you ought to use in a fight, then you are guaranteed to lose the fight. But if you know the weapons you need to use, the weapons you need to deploy as a Christian, then you will do well. Hallelujah. So that is what we are talking about. And I want us to read our main text. That's the second Corinthians chapter 10. We started from verse 1 through to 6, but today I want us to start from verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse number 3 to 6. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are divine, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought that make it and make it obedient to Christ. Amen. So we started talking about the weapons that we, we have as children of God that we need to use in every adversity, in every fight, in the pandemic, in when times are hard, when we go through every, the fairness of affliction, the type of weapons that we need to use. The first one we talked about, the weapon of praise. Praise is a weapon, hallelujah. If uh, uh, they use praise to bring the walls of Jericho down, they use a shout of praise to bring the walls of Jericho down, then you ought to deploy the weapons of praise when you go through the, the times of affliction. Hallelujah. Then we talked about the weapon of faith. The second was the weapon, our secret weapon of faith. Amen. The third one we talked about was the joy of the Lord. It's also a weapon, the joy of the Lord. Then we talked about deploying the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says there was war in heaven and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimonies and they did not love their lives even unto death. Hallelujah. So the blood is a weapon that we need to deploy. Communion is not reserved only for once a month. Communion is something that you can take all the time. Communion, you can use it even to sprinkle around your house, to sprinkle around your car, to pray, deploy the blood of Jesus in everything you do. Hallelujah. The fourth one was the weapon of love. The weapon of love. It's also a weapon. Amen. A weapon of love was, we talked about it. Amen. Then, Today, I want us to go and talk about maybe two more secret weapons. Hallelujah. The first one that I want us to talk about is the, the secret weapon of prayer. Hallelujah. Prayer is a weapon. Hallelujah. 
You know, the Bible says that praying always with all sorts, all kinds of prayer. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, spiritual host of that wickedness. And so we must deploy prayer. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, our, the son of God, Jesus, our example, deployed prayer when he was going to the furnace of affliction. And I want us to read in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through to 39. And Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here whilst I go over there. I go to pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And when he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further, further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus, Jesus and he started praying and he came back. Hallelujah. He came back and he saw the people sleeping. He said, could you not watch with me for an hour? Then he went back to pray again. Jesus knew that his time of crucifixion had come. He knew that his time of affliction had come. Instead of doing what we do normally as Christians, sometimes we as Christians, when we are going through difficulty, we forget that we are Christians. We forget that there is a God who hears and answers by fire. We forget everything. We, we become bitter with God. We leave church. We leave fellowship. We don't read our Bibles anymore. We don't pray anymore. We don't, we don't even do anything. We behave like unbelievers. We start looking in waterless places for solution. But Jesus, when his time of his, the most difficult time of his life was coming and he saw it coming, Bible says that he retreated to Gethsemane and there he prayed. He prayed that God, let this cup pass. If it is not possible, let your will be done. He prayed for strength, hallelujah. He prayed that God would strengthen him to go through the difficult times. Sometimes what we need is not for God to take the storm away from us, but to strengthen us to go through the storm and become, become successful at the end of the event. Prayer is the secret weapon that every Christian has. Prayer is something that fortifies you. Prayer is something that strengthens you. Prayer is also something that makes you escape the problem. Hallelujah. You can escape that problem that is coming through prayer on your knees. It's sad that Jesus said in uh, uh, Luke chapter 8, 18 verse 8, he said that nevertheless, when the son of man comes, would he find such faith? In verse 1, Luke 18, verse 1, and he told a parable that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Hallelujah. Men always have to pray and not faint. The thing that we do most is we faint rather than pray. We faint when we need to pray. 
We let situation get the better of us. We let the, the bad news become more stronger than the solution. We, we, we dwell on the problems. We dwell on the threats. The shadow of the, the value of the shadow of death. We dwell on it rather than the solution that we have in our prayer by God. Bible says that there was a woman who wanted vindication. And she kept going to the judge to vindicate her. But this unjust judge, Bible says that, will not vindicate. Will not vindicate from verse 4, that's Luke 18. And he would, not for a while, but afterward he said to himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because, of this, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her and let least her continual by her continual coming she weary me then god then the lord said hear what this unjust judge said and shall god not avenge his own elect who cry out night day and night to him though he bears long with them i tell you he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on earth. The reason why we don't pray is because we have lost faith in prayer. The reason we don't pray is because we have lost faith in God. The reason why we don't pray is because we don't think God will answer us. Sometimes the way we, we expect God to answer us is not how he answers us. He answers us differently and we, don't, we cannot see the long term. Sometimes the answer to the prayer is for God not to give you that thing. Or not to give you that job. Not to make you uh, go with that man or go with that woman. Because he knows the end from the beginning. So he delivers you. Hallelujah. It takes faith to pray, especially in difficult times. In times like this with the lockdown, second lockdown. People have lost their jobs. People are, don't know what's going to happen. Christmas is coming. Winter has set in. How can you stay at home during winter and pay three, four times the heating bill? Pay three, four times food bill. Pay three, four times, you know, and, and you don't know what is happening. Everybody is, is, is feeling under the weather. People are coughing. And when you cough and when you, you sneeze, you think that you have COVID-19. There is a lot of fear. And, and rather than us becoming more passionate in prayer, what we do is we complain. What we do is we backslide. What we do is we, we, we get away from the things of God. Now that we are not in church, a lot of us would throw our Bibles under our beds and never pick it up again. Because whether you pick it up or not, nobody will know. Whether you come to church, whether you read the Bible or not, nobody will know. That is why come, when we came back under, uh, from lockdown, most of us had backslidden. Most of us really were struggling. Listen, this is the time for us to engage God more in prayer. This is the time for us to engage God more in prayer, more than we've ever done before. This is not a time for us to faint. This is not a time for us to chicken out. This is not a time for us to feel that God has abandoned us. God has us right where he needs us. He needs us in the backside of the wilderness so that we can spend time in prayer. Jesus could have been anywhere else than in Gethsemane. But when the tough times came, he withdrew to the, to the garden to pray. When tough time comes, 
Go to the place of prayer. Go to the place of your, your secret place of prayer and pray. Jesus has given us an example. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 to 8, the Bible says that who, talking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was hurt and was hurt because he had of his godly fear, because he feared, hallelujah. Bible says he prayed to the one, he prayed to the one who could deliver him. Vehement cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Who do you cry to? Who do you go to when times are hard? Who do you go to when death is staring at you in the face? When when, uh, failure is staring at you in the face? Who do you go to when you can see that things are getting tough? That that is the time you need to pray. Now, how should you pray? How should you pray? Should you pray once a, a week? Once a month? Once a day? No, pray frequently. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says that pray without ceasing, which means that prayer should be like you, the breath you take. Prayer doesn't necessarily have to be uh, one hour, two hours before his prayer. It doesn't have to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Prayer is just communicating with God. So be, be somebody who prays regularly. If it is 10 minutes, if it's five minutes in the bathroom, in watching TV, in the kitchen, whatever it is, pray. Become somebody who prays frequently, fervently, every time you are in communication. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in love with somebody before? Or you are trying to uh, win, win the heart of a lady before? You find yourself always calling. Sometimes you, you are walking the road, then you see somebody fall. Immediately you call her. I've just seen somebody fall. I mean, what, what has that got to do with the price of fish? But just because you are in constant touch, anything that you think is frivolous, you still call them. Hallelujah. And you have something to talk about. Talk about it for five minutes, ten minutes, and then you move on. Then you call again. You, you, you can call the person about 15 times a day. You can text and call, send messages and call. How come we cannot do the same with God? It doesn't have to be a structured time. When we are in church, that is when you pray. When we, you are coming to eat, that's when you pray. When you are going to bed, that's when you pray. No, but during the, the middle of the day, God is also waiting to communicate with you. So instead of praying for a few minutes a day, let it be a lot of minutes in a day. Instead of it being a few times, like two or three times in a day, let it be a lot of times in a day. Amen. Prayer needs to be something like we do, like breathing. Amen. Especially when you are going through difficult times. That is when you must pray. The Bible says that the people knew that they could never get Daniel except in the matter of his prayer. Because Daniel was somebody who never played with prayer. They knew that for three times a day, Daniel would go into his, his house shut the, the, the doors and open the windows towards Jerusalem and pray. 
So they knew that if they were to get Daniel, the only way is through prayer. Can people, your enemies plan a plot to get you because they know you go and pray? Are you that consistent in prayer? Or you are hit and miss? If Daniel was hit and miss, there's no way the people, the set traps could have gotten him, could have uh, entrapped him with prayer to set him up. Hallelujah. Let prayer be something we do. Amen. And if we're going to pray, persist, number one, persist with prayer in faith and in trust that God is able to, to save you. Unto him that is able to keep your foot from falling. To him be the glory. He is able. I said he is able. He is able to keep your foot from falling. Call upon him in the day of trouble. And he will hear you. And he will deliver you. Amen. When, it, when you are in trouble, that is when you need to call. You need to call God at all times. And persist. Oh, I said persist. In James chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Elijah or Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed fervently. He prayed persistently that there had been no rain for three and a half years. And the Bible says there was no rain. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain. Amen. The heavens gave rain. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So when, when things are dry around you, when there's famine around you, when there's COVID-19 around you, when your neighbors are getting ill, everybody around you is, are, is dropping, like, are dropping like flies, that is the time that you need to have persistent, persevering prayer. That is not a time to, to just uh, whimper away. That's not a time to, to hide. That's not a time. It's like, I'm shielding. I'm taking medicine and I'm hiding in my room. No, that is the time you go into your prayer, your prayer closet to pray. Amen. The reason why sometimes we find prayer mundane and tedious is because we don't pray right. See, when you are praying, sometimes the best thing to do to do is to find a place and pray aloud. It's difficult to pray and concentrate when you are praying quietly. Sometimes by the time you realize you've, your mind has wandered away and you are doing something else or you see yourself playing with your phone as you are trying to pray and then something happens. Sometimes the way to pray is by playing music around Setting the atmosphere around you. Sometimes in this day and age, you, uh, we have uh, social media, different simulation of prayer. People have recorded different types of prayer that they pray. Join it. Put it up. And as it's praying, join them to pray. I used with some, some people have recordings of prayer that they pray. If you are somebody who struggles to pray by yourself, you know, press that thing. As people are praying, then you also join. And pray by the time you realize you've prayed an hour, you've prayed two hours. It is our secret weapon. Hallelujah. I said prayer is our secret weapon. And if you're going to pray passionately and fervently, another way to pray is that be specific in your prayer. Pray specifically. In James chapter number four, verse three, it says that you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. 
that you may spend it on your pleasures. Sometimes the, the reason why we find prayer mundane, the reason why we don't pray, the reason why we, we struggle to pray is because we don't even know what we need. We are not specific. We don't say what we want. We are very general. Oh God, bless thee, our daily bread, our Father, bless me. And just confused. No, what is troubling you? There's a song we sing. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's all because we don't carry everything. And when we go to God in prayer, we are not specific. Carry the problem to God in prayer. If your mother-in-law is the problem, carry your mother-in-law to, the pro to, to God in prayer. If it is your boss who is the problem, what do you do? You carry God, you carry your, your boss to God in prayer. Appeal to the justice of heaven to come and vindicate you, to come and fight for you because your boss is disturbing you. Somebody say amen. And then number four, pray the will of God. Sometimes we as Christians, we don't pray right. For instance, you can't pray that, oh God, let, let that lady, let that guy leave the, the lady so that I can go and propose to her. It's not a good prayer. It's a, kill the husband, Lord, or kill the wife, Lord, so that I can become the, the new wife. No, that's not a good prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. In 1 Thessalonians 3.13, the Bible says that, may he strengthen your heart so, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our Lord, our God and Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ with all holy, all his holy ones. Hallelujah. Pray that his will will be done in your life. Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Master, teach us how to pray. And he said, when you go to prayer, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. Hallelujah. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth. It is a prayer you must pray all the time. That Lord, let your will for my life be done on earth. Let your will for my education be done. Let your will for my finances be done. Because it says that I know the plans I think for you, towards you. They are plans of good and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. Hallelujah. That is the plan that God has for you. His, his will for you is good. His will for you is better than your own plans for yourself. And that is why you must pray the will of God to be done in your life all the time. Amen. Pray. With the end in mind, pray that, Lord, you will keep me. That at the end, I will hear well done, good and faithful servant. Sometimes our prayers are too shallow. Our prayers are too frivolous. Our prayers are is all too temporary. We don't pray in the, with a long-term view. We don't pray that at the end of this life, God will be happy with us. We don't work our own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. Pray with heaven in mind. Pray not only for today, for tomorrow, but that in the last day, God will keep you up. 
Jesus will keep you. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. It's a good prayer to pray. Amen. And prayer is also good for personal growth. The more you pray, the more closer you get to God. Amen. Prayer is not just to defend yourself from Satan. Prayer is not just to attack or to, to, to defend. But prayer also draws you closer to God. Some people say that I can't pray because I don't have any problems. Life is good. I have a job. I am not sick. My marriage is okay. My finances are good. There's no reason for me to pray, Pastor. I'm okay. I'm all right. When I have trouble, I will pray. No. Prayer is not only for the time that you have trouble. Prayer is also for the time that to draw you close. You know, when you communicate with somebody, you draw closer to the person. Prayer will help you develop your spiritual life. You do develop your, way, your, your word life also because you can't just pray any words. You can't just make up words in prayer. Prayer is just taking the constitution of, the, of God, that's the word of God, back to him. And the more you do that, the better you get at it. It helps your personal growth. Amen. Prayer is a good thing. Men always ought to pray and not to faint. Hallelujah. I quickly want to move on to the next uh, weapon so that we can finish early. Amen. The next secret weapon, I'm not sure whether you, you agree with me on this particular point, but I want you to indulge me. The next secret weapon that we have as Christians to deploy is the secret of giving. Somebody say the secret of giving. The secret of giving is a secret because a lot of people don't know that giving is also as strong as prayer. A lot of people don't realize that giving has the same power that prayer has. A lot of people don't know that giving has the same power as praise. A lot of people don't know that giving has the same power as faith. In Acts chapter 10 verse 30, Acts chapter 10 verse 30, the Bible says, I'm going to read from 10 to 32, it says that, so Cornelius said four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in, the, in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer, listen to this, your prayer, and has been heard, and your arms has been remembered in the sight of God. So he says that your prayer, which is a secret weapon, has been heard. And your giving, which is also another secret weapon, has been heard. Hallelujah. Your giving has been heard by God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter, he is lodging in the house of Simon, a tenor, by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. Amen. See, the almsgiving of Cornelius was a memorial to God. It went straight to the nostrils of God. And immediately, God came down. I don't believe that it was just necessarily the, the prayer of Cornelius that drove the angel of God to Cornelius to to go and call, you know, it's like God was busy. God had to go to Cornelius, who is not 
a Jewish man who is not supposed to be a Christian, God goes to Cornelius and says, listen, I'm sending a man to you. And then God goes to Peter and says to Peter, I am sending you to go and preach to a Gentile. This is a Gentile who is unclean in the eyes of Peter. But then God convinces Peter that whatever it is, go to speak to Cornelius. It's not just because of Cornelius' prayer, but his arms given. In case you are wondering whether this is true because it could be the prayer, let me give you, go back to uh, Luke chapter 7 with me. Luke chapter 7, the same type of story from verse 2 to 4. The Bible says that and a certain centurion, a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews, uh, elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him. Come and heal our servant. And when Jesus came to, when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly. And they saying that the one for whom you should do this is deserving. And then he goes on to say that because he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Amen. Now, you and I know that those days, the elders of the Jews, they, were, they didn't see eye to eye with Jesus. They were the ones, the, the, the same people called Jesus that he uses the prince of Beelzebub, the prince, prince of demons, to heal the sick. They were suspicious of Jesus. They were trying all the time to entrap Jesus, to, to kill him. But because of the centurion's giving, the centurion, this man, the way he gave, the way he was so generous, he was building the church. He is not a believer. He doesn't go to church. This is an, a, 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 an occupying force, a leader of an occupying force. He comes to, instead of being hostile to the indigents, he becomes very helpful. He becomes somebody who gives. He gives a gift. He gives, he's very, very, very uh, helpful, giving. He's all generous, always giving gifts. Always doing things for people. And they said that this man is deserving. We beg you, Jesus, whatever it is that you have to do, do it to go and heal his servant. And I wonder that even the servant, who is probably a Jew, I mean, what has this man got to do? If, if you are sick and you are dying, just die, I'll employ another servant. But his heart was a generous heart of giving. He wanted to give all the time. Amen. And that generosity drove enemies to Jesus. May your generosity attract angels. I say may your generosity attract angels. May angels be deployed from heaven to come to your aid because of your giving. It's amazing that a lot of unbelievers are very generous. And a lot of Christians, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost filled, are so stingy. We don't know how to give. We don't know how to give at all. When anybody asks you for something, your, your first instinct is, I don't have. Even if you have, you, you just say, I don't have. One day I remember saying to my wife, if anybody asks you anything, try your best to give them the thing. Become a generous person. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves the heart that gives. I always say this. Every land receives rain. 
But one land is a desert because it never gives the rain that it receives. The other land is a stream, becomes a river. Why? Because whatever little water it gets, it shares with the, the next land. It shares with the next neighbor. It shares with the next neighbor. And the Bible says that the generous soul, the soul that gives will be made fat, will be made rich. As you give, God gives you more. As you give, God gives you more. As you give, God gives you more. So you see that this, part, this land becomes a river. And you see so much life. You see a lot of fishes, a lot of uh, frogs and, uh, and all type of creatures living inside the, the land, living inside the water. Why? Because that water is generous. Amen. That water is generous. I pray that from today, you and I will become generous people. I say from today, you and I will become generous people. Your generosity will make heaven change their mind about you. Do you know that heaven was not thinking about Cornelius? But his generosity changed the mind of heaven. Jesus had no plans of going to the centurion's house. He was busy doing his ministry. He was busy going about his, his business. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says, asked how God anointed Jesus with the spirit and with power who went about doing good. He went about being generous. He didn't have a plan to go to uh, the centurion's house. But then the centurion's giving had attracted help. The Jewish leaders to come and solicit the help of Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible said, he left everything and he started going towards the centurion's house. Until the centurion said to Jesus, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. You just say the word wherever you are and my servant will be healed. And Jesus did exactly that. Amen. I pray that your miracles will be found in your giving. Your miracles will be found in your giving. Let me give you about four, five, six benefits that you get when you from giving. Number one, giving always results in you receiving. In Acts chapter, sorry, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to your bosom. For the measure with which you meet withal is the same measure that will be measured back to you again. Hallelujah. Listen to what the uh, message translation says. This, I like the message translation. Listen to it. It says that give away your life. Give away your life. And you will find life giving back. But not merely giving back. Giving back with bonus and blessings. Amen. When you give life away, when you give to people, Message Bible says that you will get not just life back, but you get bonus and blessings. Giving, not getting is the way. Amen. It's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. We like a lot of receiving as Christians. Oh Lord, bless me. Oh Lord, give me. Oh Lord, give me. Oh Lord, give me. It's, it's, that is all we think about. But listen, it's better to give. Because giving is sowing seed. Give and it shall be given to you. If we understand the principle, the Jews understand it so much. That's why they are so rich wherever they, you find Jews. Because they understand that giving alms is so, so, is part of their worship. 
The Muslims understand it. That is why they are wealthy. Do you know that part of worship as a Muslim is to find the poor to give to? That is why you find that a lot of uh, uh, beggars, a lot of uh, people, that, needy people, they, they like to sit around the mosque. Because part of their worship is to go and look, part, uh, is to go and look for uh, beggars, look for the homeless, look for people who are in need, and give them, bless them. Amen. It's unfortunate that with us as Christians, we don't think that part of our worship is to give. When we come to church and we say it's offering time, that is the time you look for coins. That's the time we look for uh, what do you call it? Like uh, two pounds, three pounds, one pound. When they say give, Pastor Sam says give, then you go onto your phone, then you just do two pounds transfer, three pounds transfer, five pounds transfer. Meanwhile, the same person, you take the phone, when you go next door, you go to the shop, 35 pounds for just a meal, 20 pounds, 40, 500 pounds to buy some shoes. But you've never given past 50, uh, 20 pounds in church ever in your life. You are not generous. You are not a giver. Hallelujah. God promises to return your gift back to you. So become a giver. You see, one thing I learned many years ago was that when I need anything specific, I should find that thing and give to, to somebody. My pastor taught me once, now anything you want. So I, I tried it. I had this watch that I liked so much. But I had had that watch for years. And I wanted a new watch. So I took that watch. And then I gave it to a brother in the church. It was my only watch at the time. I said to my brother, and my brother knew that I liked that particular watch. It was the only watch I had. And he saw me from that day, I didn't have a watch. I didn't have a watch. But then, it's like, he, every time you see him, he has the watch on. Then you ask me, ah, so I, are you not going to get a watch? It got to a point, he used to call me, what's, your, what's the time? Because my watch had been given to so you. You see me, what's the time? Then I'll say, stop it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. But today, when I look in my uh, box, there are so many watches. Amen. Learn to give. I'm not talking about just giving in church. But learn to be generous. Give to your neighbor. Now that is COVID-19 season, lockdown season, people are in your house. Go and do shopping for your next door neighbor. Hallelujah. Yeah, go and do shopping. I remember yesterday, yesterday I was, I was driving out and I saw my neighbor cleaning his car. So immediately I reversed back into the, the house and then I took uh, one, of the, one copy of, of, of the book before you jump and then I gave it to my neighbor. Then he looked at it, he was looking at me. Then he said, he said to me, how much do I owe you? <laughs> then I said, you don't owe me anything, I just bl I'm blessing you with the book. Hallelujah. He didn't know what to say because it's not something that he expects. Can you imagine if you, you go shopping and you shop a whole bag and you knock on your next door neighbor's um, door and then you say, I've just bought you groceries. 
Can you imagine? Hallelujah. God says your blessing will come from men when you give. So give. Amen. Oh, I say give. Number two, giving is your God-given right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sow bountifully or generously will reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have, they that scatter their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10 says that he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store and of your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be able to you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Oh, I say hallelujah. Let us become sowers. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. God wants to bless your account so that you can have more to give. Become a river of blessing. Become a river, a conduit of blessing. Don't become a seeker of blessings. Christians are seekers of blessings and not givers of blessings. That is why we don't have. We are like the desert. We are always receiving water, but we are always dry. Why? Because we are not givers of blessings. Hallelujah. Bless somebody with your car. It's your only car. Go back on the bus. So bountifully. And see if God will not bless you. Or oh, I say, see if God will not bless you. Number, number three, the third benefit. Giving unleashes the power of the power in your life. Amen. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 8 says that a bribe is seen as a charm by the one who gives it. They think success. A present is precious stones in the eyes of the possessor. Wherever he tends, he prospers. Amen. A present, a gift is precious in the eyes of the one who has it. And wherever he gives it, it prospers. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you give the gift, the Bible says a man's gift will make room for him. When you learn how to give gifts to people, it makes you, it endears you to them. Are you with me? One of the secrets I've learned as, as a pastor is to learn how to bless people. Bless, you know, I go to a pastor somewhere, you know, I admire the person, I want to get something that they have. I take a gift and I go and give to the person just to buy into the person's anointing, buy into the person's friendship. Sometimes all I need is not anointing, not, not need to be prayed for, but just to have a, a friendship with the person. The gift that you give makes room. Amen. 
Learn to become somebody that is always looking for the opportunity to bless somebody rather than looking for an opportunity to receive. Remember the desert and the river. Hallelujah. Remember that all the time. What number are we on? Let me, let's finish. Giving is your God-given right. Giving unleashes the power of God in your life. Number four. Okay, your gift will make, bring you friends. Proverbs 19.6 Many entreat the favor of nobility. A man's, a, every, every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Amen. Every man is a friend of a generous person. Even the king is a friend of a generous person. Even that wicked person is a friend of somebody who gives. So even when they are looking for, you see, I don't know whether any of us have watched uh, those mafiosi, mafia films. Have you seen those Don Colioni type of films? You know, when you watch those films, you see that the, the baker always likes to give to the dawn. The baker always gives to the, the, you know, the, the wicked, the most wicked person. The baker will bake bread and go and give him or takes, takes uh, food and go and give him dust. Give, give the, the dick, wicked person who likes killing people, goes to bless them. So it becomes a protection. The gift protects so that if other mafia uh, families, when they come, they will not touch this particular person. Why? Because he's being protected by the gift that he gives. Amen. Your gift will stop anger. Proverbs 21, 14. A gift given in secret suits anger and a bribe concealed in the cloak pacified great wrath. Amen. It doesn't matter how angry somebody is with you. Give a gift. It's only a matter of time though. The anger will subside. Amen. Giving brings a harvest. I think we've talked about that. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. Amen. Giving brings a harvest. Giving always prospers the giver. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is one who scatters, yet increased more. And there is one who withholds, who withholds more than is right, but it tends to poverty. Amen. If you withhold, it tends to poverty. A lot of Christians are poor because they don't give. We have not deployed the secret weapon of giving. Today, I, I challenge you that become a giver. Become somebody that is always looking for an opportunity to bless somebody. You are looking for an opportunity to give. You are looking for an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. And God will bless you. 